Hi, I'm Trini. And I'm Astrid. And welcome to It's a Continent, the podcast that widens access to African history. We're also the co-authors of a book by the same name. You can find out more information about us on itsacontinent.com. So we're here to challenge the common misconception that Africa is a country and appreciate the identity of each nation. And through each episode, we'll be exploring key historical moments which have shaped the continent. Hello. Oh, we're here. We're here. Season six, yes. episode two. I felt like I was about to begin a rap, but let me not. <laughs> Let's not. But allow us to reintroduce ourselves. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of you are new. You know, we're loving it. We're like, we're like, thank you for joining us. And yeah, do you want to kick off since you, you fancied reintroducing? Yeah. yeah. So our whole premise is around how Africa is not a country, it is a continent, hence it's a continent. And we've been doing this for, well, nearly three years actually, three years early next year so very very a baby is like turning it. three. Oh my yeah God. baby's now in nursery <laughs> so cute <laughs> she is now in nursery mm-hmm. uh so yeah growing up and we also have a book by the same name it's a continent um which was launched in july of this year so it's been a busy year for us a very busy year and welcome aboard uh, we always talk about different topics around the continent so we look at each individual country We also look at uh, topics that have affected regions uh, of the continent as well. And we do love it when you send suggestions in for us to investigate and have a look at. So welcome on board. Definitely. I love how you said all of that, A, just top of your head, but also you didn't even say your name, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just, okay, so it's like she no longer identifies as an actual... (laughs) We've become those parents where I don't see my, I've just lost my identity. I'm just one now. <laughs> yeah, I've lost it all to this. Yeah. <laughs> I am now it's a continent. I am now it's a continent. <laughs> so I'm Chinny. I'm Astrid. There's no reason for me to give any more information. Chinny has given it all, but honestly, yes. super excited for you guys to join us. Season six, there's a whole gosh go back way back when there's a lot of content a lot of content and some very special guests that we have on as well so feel free to enjoy but before we get started this week we wanted to share what we've been up to because i sound super nasally so apologies um but it's been a busy week for us we've been fighting battles this week oh we really have been honestly we've been through it we've been, <laughs> we have we really have been through it um First and foremost, wanted to say a massive thank you to Cambridge University. Your girls did their very first live show in front of people. Yeah, yes. In To Help Mark Black History Month. Thank you so much for the invitation. Honestly, had so much fun. Um, Great conversation, great people. Bucket list, like, item fully well and truly ticked and I didn't even know I had that on my bucket list what a surprise really really good fun a big thank you to Stuti and Elsa for inviting us thank you so much yeah I am now in the process of convincing Astrid to do more live shows (laughs) so (laughs) honestly that I didn't realize how much that was my bag until I was like wow I love this but we'll see we'll see and then yeah we've also written again marking black history month 
written an article um, for Historians Magazine. We will, have we? We'll put it in the episode Yeah, we'll put it on the episode show notes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can read the article where we cover the Bristol bus boycott and yeah, just tell the story and what happened and stuff and just shed light on it. So yeah, we have been really busy. It's been a busy year. We're not coming to the end yet, don't worry. It's only episode two. We've still got another, I don't even know. But (laughs) yeah, (laughs) we don't finish this until about December. So don't worry, we're still about, we're still about. We're still here. Yeah. But yeah, so let's get started. So my African pride this week, I feel like I've been mentioning that it's Black History Month, uh, both in the UK and Ireland. And to mark that, I'm giving it to the Ghanaian activist Akieba Ade Sebo, the man responsible for starting Black History Month in Britain. So, a little bit about his story. So, he moved to Britain in the 1980s, seeking refuge from political persecution in Ghana. And at the time, Britain was dealing with a lot of racism, racial inequality were very much a daily occurrence. And so what he also saw around the environment and the impact of this is that a lot of black children started to withdraw from really embracing that African identity. They really didn't want to be kind of seen connected to that anymore. And at his place of work as well, one of his female colleagues kind of shared a story with him where she said like her seven-year-old son um, was asking her, you know, mom, why can't I be white? At that age as well to know. Honestly, seven. So that's how you know that they know the way the world works. Heartbreaking. And so he decided that we needed a way to really celebrate and recognize black people's contributions. And so yeah, Black History Month was formed. And the first Black History Month was observed 35 years ago in 1987. So what an incredible job that he's done. It's so weird that it's pretty recent, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. In my mind, I just thought Black History Month would just be here just sort of since forever or something. Mm -hmm. But it was so recent, only 35 years ago. I mean, that's in a lot of people's lifetimes. Yeah. And it's actually pretty, pretty recent. Um, and for it to be celebrated um, so widely. And I just wanted to leave you guys with this amazing quote from Akiaba that I absolutely loved. So he was doing an interview talking about Black History Month and its importance. And he says, you know, self-pride is the catalyst for achievement. And there is no greater truth than knowing yourself. Here, here. Honestly, that I was clicking. I'm still clicking, yeah. honestly. <laughs> just like really so powerful and it just made me think we'll get into it but just the importance of really yeah knowing yourself and doing you know listening to this podcast really understanding African history and yeah Mm. it's so important but also from a personal level in terms of therapy I'm definitely an advocate guys but yeah amazing incredible job and we're still celebrating we are yeah still got a couple of weeks to go yep every month is black history month as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned so true as far so as this podcast yeah that's what I was gonna say as far as this po- apart from <laughs> yeah. where we're on break right let's go let's do this Let's get started. So remember way back when in season four, and if you're new, have a look back, where we covered Lesotho, an enclave of South Africa. Well, an enclave is essentially a country that is entirely surrounded by another country. And our geography lesson continues today as we discuss a disputed exclave. So an exclave is a portion of a country's territory which is not connected to the main part. And in this week's episode, we're discussing Kabinda, an exclave of Angola. 
and this is a disputed territory again, uh, but we'll get into that. Kabinda is located on the west coast of Africa, separated from the rest of Angola and sandwiched between the Republic of Congo and the DRC, and that is the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah, you definitely need a map for this. I'm just going to, because yeah, when I, 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 was advise, on, I was yeah. Google mapping, like, okay, Kabinda's here, Angola. It's not even that clear on the map. Which no, is... <laughs> yeah. I was honestly going around on Google Maps following the lines and stuff, and just, yeah. Yeah. It's um, yeah. worth getting the map But out. we do have, in the, I believe in the book, there is a map um, that shows a very dotted faint line um that shows the area of kabinda so for those of you who have the book feel free to open it now (laughs) (laughs) it's like bite size yeah (laughs) so kabinda is made up of three african kingdoms from way back when kagongo ngoyo and luango during the infamous berlin conference of 1884 to 1885 which divided and created these arbitrary borders across the continent The Portuguese government, like their European counterparts, also wanted a share of the continent. And so, in 1885, the Portuguese government and the local chieftains signed the Treaty of Simulambuco, making Cabinda a protectorate of the Portuguese Empire. This treaty states that the princes and chiefs and their successors declare voluntarily their recognition of the Portuguese sovereignty, placing under protectorate of this nation all the territories by them governed right this article can we can we just talk about the use of words here because i think with a lot of these treaties you really need to get your lawyer on and be thinking voluntarily i'm just going to put it out there just based on our six seasons of experience um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm not sure whether voluntarily is a word I would have described. It's the operative word here. Yeah. Yeah, but... yeah. Because voluntarily suggests that you could just be like, no. Yeah. Which, of course, was not adhered to. Mm. But, you know, the Lucifer Empire was a bit like, they didn't see Africans on the same footing as Europeans. Yeah. So it's how would they even, if even if they did say no, these people weren't going to be like, oh, okay. Okay, no we'll problem. No need to sign it. Oh, no worries, hun. We'll, yeah. we'll go and check out the Republic of Congo, guys. Maybe they'll sign. No. <laughs> Just no. They do. Yeah. Not voluntary. Guys, we really, yeah. When you're reading these treaties, I've really got my treaties on, but like, yeah, you've got to be, the choice of words here is, yeah. It's not a reflection yeah. of what was happening. Of the at true the time. picture. And also considering that, during this time, the rest of the continent was just being taken over. Yeah, no, that's, that's how it is. And Article 2 of the treaty stated that Portugal is obliged to maintain the integrity of the territories placed under its protection. So you had voluntarily, first of all, then you're then saying that they're obliged to make, okay, conflicting articles there, but we need nonetheless. Cabinda at the time was also known as Portuguese Congo, Okay, so much like Guinea, they just loved to sort of throw around. Yeah, and the interesting point, like, around that area, because you had Cabinda, which was Portuguese Congo, you then have the DRC, which was Belgian Congo, and then above it, the Republic of Congo, which was French Congo. So they were all in that kind of, like, again, get your maps out, people, um, in that area. It's interesting how they've just all sort of given them this arbitrary name. Mm Mm-hmm. Portuguese Congo was managed separately from Portuguese West Africa, modern-day Angola. I don't know, is Angola West Africa? Anyway, look, there's no need to get into debates now, but still. 
However, 71 years later, in 1956, things changed and the Portuguese government decided to make Cabinda a district of Angola. And then for those living in Cabinda, this decision went against Article 2, which required Portugal to maintain the integrity of the territory. And here lies the source of the dispute between Cabinda and Angola. Why did the Portuguese government decide to bring these two territories together? It's thought that this change was made because the government wanted to create efficiencies in managing their protectorates. So yet again, we have another merger that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and even when you look at how it was, just that whole area is kind of like cut out and the borders around it and how people owned things. And now you're like, well, we'll stick these two territories together because it makes sense for us from a financial and efficiency perspective. But actually, once again, there's no consideration of the people who are in that region. Um, So it's just, yeah, it's just difficult as as always, just difficult. And obviously they're looking out for themselves and not actually um, the people. And another Mm -hmm. point I just wanted to make is, you know, it took 71 years for Cabinda and Angola to be put together. So before then, they had literally decades of... Separate lives. Being separate lives, essentially. Yes, still under the Portuguese government, but they were very much separate. And so, again, they're being forced into this sort of one group. And kind of with that, you probably can assume that there were tensions as well being built up. Then we get into the 1960s. So as African nations started to gain independence, Angola, with the support of various Angolan liberation movements, including the MPLA, FNLA and UNITA, fighting Angola's war of independence with the Portuguese. The war began in 1961, continuing on until 1974. The 1960s also saw several liberation movements emerge in Cabinda, calling for independence both from Portugal and Angola. That comes a bit of a list here, but these groups including the MLEC, which is the Movement for the Liberation of the Enclave of Cabinda, the CAUNC, the Action Committee for the Cabinda National Union, Aliama, which is the Mayombe National Alliance. These three movements came together in 1963 to form a single collective known as the FLEC, which is the Front for the Liberation of the Enclave of Cabinda. Moving forward, we're just going to be talking about the FLEC. As we said, they all kind of come together to form this single collective. The end of the war and Angola's subsequent independence in November 1975 were actually driven by the political situation back in Portugal. So on April 25th, 1974, the Carnation Revolution took place and the revolution began as a military coup in Portugal, which ended the authoritarian Estado Novo regime. And following this, Portugal began to withdrawal from Africa and free its colonies. Interestingly, during that time, the Organisation of African Unity, the precursor to the African Union, we do have an episode on the OAU and the African Union. The OAU ranked Cabinda the 39th territory on the continent yet to be decolonised, with Angola being the 35th. And this ranking was based on, you know, the OAU was trying to support African nations with their independence process. But what you have here is essentially the OAU recognising Cabinda as a separate nation from Angola. But this isn't how Cabinda was granted its independence. But to be honest, this is all 
yeah, I think like our perspective isn't to kind of comment on like who should, how Cabinda should be, but it's just to share with you guys the information. But yeah, the OAU at that time, very much about saw Cabinda as a separate territory. Yeah, it's very similar to how they look at Western Sahara as well and Swari Republic. Yeah. Whereas that's not recognised by the UN. There are differing perspectives when it comes to who should get sovereignty and who shouldn't. Who shouldn't. In January 1975, the three Angolan liberation movements and the Portuguese government came together to sign the Albor Agreement. FLEC was left out of the discussions, reinforcing the idea that they considered Cabinda a province of Angola. The Albor Agreement also supported this idea as under the terms, Portugal recognised the three Angolan liberation movements as the sole and legitimate representatives of the Angolan people, with Cabinda being an integral part of the Angolan territory. With Cabinda's liberation movement out in the cold, they decided to act. So, on August the 1st, 1975, during the Summit of African Unity, Cabinda declared itself an independent nation. They declared themselves the Republic of Cabinda. But this didn't last, as on November the 8th, 1975, Cabinda and Angola found themselves at war, which has and continues to see countless death, violence and displacement. And this was the beginning of the ongoing Cabinda War, and since its inception, FLEC has struggled to stay together and is broken into various factions. There's always different ways of how people want to pursue separatism. Yeah. Um, so this is quite difficult. So ironically, the separatist movements always end up separated. Separated, yeah. <laughs> Somehow. And I guess it comes with just like conflict in terms of, you know, what is the press approach and, you know, how do yes. you move forward and probably everybody wanting to be in a position of power as well. So yes, we also have that issue as well. Uh, and Cabinda's liberation movement also received support from their neighbours, the Republic of Congo and the DRC. The president of the DRC at the time, President Mobutu, called for a referendum to let the people of Cabinda decide whether they wanted to be Cabindans or Angolans. This always seems to happen. They always get like, because this also happened in Cameroon as well, where they have referendums and you're just... Yeah, it did, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think this just goes to show the the impact of yes. colonialism because... Those borders. Yeah. yeah. And this is what, is what creates, really. Yes. This is the legacy of colonialism. And, you know, a lot of people always wonder or talk about why there is so much instability within many of these nation states and so many separatist movements as well. But this is, this is actually the main reason why, just going back to that Berlin conference. Mm-hmm. So why did they get behind Cabinda? Well, being a close friend to a territory rich in oil resources is smart. Cabinda has an abundance of oil, with oil accounting for a significant majority of Angola's GDP. And um, we did discuss this in our episode about oil yeah previously in the last uh, season um and we do touch on angola's oil and the corruption as a, as a result of uh, neocolonialism as well love that connection a complete circle it's all connecting guys <laughs> it's all coming together yeah yeah no country would want to lose cabinda this kind of reminds you as well of biafra to draw another parallel yeah uh because you know the oil rich uh southeastern part of nigeria was why Britain didn't want Nigeria to lose that part of it. So again, that ended in more conflict. So yeah, oil actually seems to be a cause of a lot of conflict. Well, oil plus colonizers equals war, if you need an equation. If, <laughs> a different sort of map. Yeah. 
As the conflict continued between Cabinda and Angola into the 2000s, we saw some movement towards resolution, but I definitely use that term lightly. Yeah. In 2004, Cabinda's liberation movement, with support from civil and religious groups, formed the umbrella organisation known as the Cabinda Forum for Dialogue. In 2006, the Cabinda Forum for Dialogue and the Angolan government agreed to sign a peace deal. The deal basically still maintained Cabinda as part of Angola, but gave the province special status. So not quite sure what special status was, but obviously this wasn't... (laughs) Yeah. However, this deal wasn't recognised or accepted by other members of the forum or members of the FLEC. The conflict between Cabinda and Angola continues and Cabinda maintains an unrecognised government in exile contesting its position as a province of Angola. So, yeah, this just... It's a bit of a weird one, the whole exclave. It's just it's still a bit confusing in the fact that it's not even in the same country borders, but it's just somehow still part of it. Yeah, it's still a part of it, but they don't see themselves as an exclave. They see themselves... Like, so it's just... As their own, yeah. Yeah, so I just... Honestly, it always leads me back to that question, like, where do you go from here? Like, it's a bit of a, it's at a standstill, right? Like, it's been going on for decades now. Like, what is, what is the resolution? But, you know, and it is, I think, as we said before, around colonialism and also the process of decolonization, how that's also created and maintains these conflicts that are really challenging to resolve and basically just leave things unanswered and still you know open to questions and so it's how do you yeah i guess how do you move on from there how yeah what is the resolution and it's yeah it's 2022 and we're still still going Mm -hmm. but yeah so that was yeah the story of cabinda and its relationship with angola and the portuguese's involvement Yeah, thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you for joining us if this is your first time with us. We will see you back in two weeks' time. But make sure that you follow, like, watch. Tini, you're way better than me at knowing all the like. (laughs) It's a concert on Twitter and it's a concert pod on Instagram. And we also have a website, it's a continent.com. Drop us a message. And we also have Buy Me A Coffee as well. We've had quite a few recent people that have bought us coffee. So thank you very much. Thank you. We are enjoying it. Yeah. Oh, I love being back. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, guys. And yeah, we will see you in two weeks. Two weeks time where we will be discussing Benin. Benin. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.